verse 15. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and also Romans chapter 1. I got a kick out of Noah a few minutes ago. Um, uh, Brother, Brother Riley brought in a, an old business card that he found. It is a Stony Creek business card um, from where we used to travel years ago. And um, he's also got a picture of somebody in there you got to check out too. But he had, a, he had, he had a, this business card of Stony Creek. And um, I said, Noah, go check out that old card. You'll get a kick out of it. And uh, he's reading it, and it you know, says whatever, Stony Creek Gospel on the front. A nice picture of a violin and um, a and, um, picture of the group on the back. And then, then, it, then it says something about join us on this website and on Facebook and on MySpace. Uh, and Noah says, what's MySpace? <laughs> Which we got a kick out of that. That also reminded me of the time when we were moving, I think, to this house, and uh, they found some VHS tapes and acted what, asked what they were. So, <laughs> amen. We still love you, Noah. You know, <laughs> we won't do a show of hands, but we still love you. Amen. First Peter chapter three fifteen and Romans chapter one. Uh, Noah, how old were you when you accepted Christ? Um, seven. Seven. I'm going to turn my phone down too. Seven years old. Brother Zellers, how old were you? I was uh, 34. 34, Rachel? Seven. Seven, John Shine? I think I was 21. Amen. Jessica? 12. Can you imagine getting saved and not having a New Testament in front of you? That would that'd be a bummer. <laughs> I mean, the, the the Old Testament is, I mean, that's rich. That's, that's our history. That's, I mean, everything's pointing to Christ. Um, but man, the New Testament so helps us. It so helps us. There were 400 silent years after uh, the Old Testament scriptures were written. 400 silent years. And then, then Jesus born in Bethlehem in a manger, comes on the scene. He, he, he lives his life, his ministry, the death, burial, and, and the resurrection. Uh, uh, most people believe that was 33 years. Then, then you have another 10 or 15 years after the resurrection before the canon of Scripture was closed, roughly. So you're talking 450 years, roughly, before you have a completed Old Testament to a completed New Testament. And even that 450 years, it was like, um, right? So for 400 of it, 430 of it, there was no New Testament. And then for those last 20 years or however long it was, there'd be some, um, um, you could get a letter here and there and you, you, before it was all canonized and put together, um, but even if you accepted Christ in that time, you didn't have a copy. Uh, you, you probably didn't have a copy of the Old Testament. That wasn't like published like it was crazy uh, nowadays. And on top of that, if you weren't a Jew, you were a what? Gentile. Anyway, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's just what it is. It's like Jews and everybody else, right? So if you get saved as a Gentile, which is pretty much everybody, pretty much the, 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 anyone that got saved was pretty much Gentile. 
you would have to go to look at what was really the Jewish scriptures, the, the Hebrew Bible. It wasn't like, like, oh, here's a Bible for the Gentiles, although it was. It was for whoever. It was really, the mindset was, oh, that's the Jewish Bible. So what would happen? The Gentiles would have to go to the Jews Oh, let's, let's study the scriptures together. Can, can we read the scripture that you have? Can, you, can we hear uh, uh, your preachers preach it? The, the, it really would have to cause new people getting saved to come into fellowship. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he said to the Jew first, and then also to the Gentile, it would really cause people to have some fellowship. It should be the same way today when somebody gets saved. It should really cause them to come in fellowship with the Christians and, and be like, hey, let's learn the scripture. Can you show me something? Let me, let me go to church and hear the preaching. Let me uh, read it for myself and learn. Not everyone throughout our redemptive history has had the privilege of what we have today, the completed canon of the Word of God. It's a privilege that we shouldn't take lightly. Um, 66 books written over 40 different authors, written by over 40 different authors, spanning a time frame of uh, over 1,600 years. And it all perfectly aligns with each other just beautifully. Amen. Brother Riley, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Quran is only one book, um, and if you ever take the time to look in it, it it's 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 empty. It's empty like a uh, like a country song. You, you listen to a gospel song, you're a man like like what a day that will be. You know Jesus is the answer for the world. There's there's depth to it and power. When you read the scriptures, there's power and depth to it. But when when you read the Quran, it's just it's just hollow and ugh. Not that I'm biased, but I am. But the Quran is, is, is one book. It contains 114 chapters. That's, that's, that's it. That's the whole shebang. We have 66 books. 66 books. That's 1,189 chapters is what we have in our God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, we know this so well. Said it to show thyself approved in the God of workmen that needeth not... To be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're right there, First Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I hope and I pray that is, that is our mindset and our heart set tonight. As we study and we look at the word of God, that, 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 that's our goal, that's why we're here. And I, and I believe that, that is the mindset and the heart set, heart set of everyone that's here because it's the Wednesday night crowd. The hardest service to come to. It just is. Uh, Sunday night's harder because sometimes you just don't want to get out off the couch or out of bed or whatever, um, but Wednesdays are the hardest. And I'm, I'm not talking about sickness and illness and whatever that happens. I'm talking about it's the hardest service to come to. Amen. With that, we're going to be... Begin a new study tonight to see what doctrines that 
we can glean from to learn from the book of Romans. Always curious to see what she's got out there. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Amen. In this past year, we've gone through most of Acts and Galatians, uh, stopping and studying all the doctrines that we come to along the way, not shying uh, away from any of it. We're currently going through First Timothy, as we know, through Sunday school, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I think it's good for our church. It's good for our men. It's good for me. Amen. I, I love it. Anyone has the right to say that this young preacher doesn't know as much as other preachers or pastors, and, and that's fine, and, and, and that could be true on a lot of levels. But no one has the right to say that we don't preach biblical doctrines here at Hope Baptist Church. Everything that is taught and preached, it is 100% the Word of God. Um, and I am proud to say that, and I don't shy away from that. And that gives me boldness, and it gives our men boldness when they're preaching, amen. But Paul, he starts off this letter making it really clear who the center of our worship is. is Jesus Christ. There's just no question. As in, and he's being real specific, as in like uh, the God of Abraham, the, the, um, the, uh, not, not just I worship God in general when he's writing a letter, but, or not even just saying the name Jesus, but Jesus from Nazareth, who was born in a manger, who was crucified, risen, and come again with life and liberty to all who believe. Amen. He's being real specific who, who, who the, the center of worship is. And you say, well, Paul doesn't need to be specific, you might say, because he's writing to a bunch of Christians. But here's the thing. I'm so thankful that he is, because Paul's making it super clear who he's talking about. The Muslims believe in Jesus, but not the same Jesus. They believe in Jesus as only a prophet and not the Savior of mankind. The Jehovah's Witnesses will say that they believe in Jesus, but not Jesus that he's God. So Paul's identifying that, hey, we're talking about the Jesus of the Old Testament scriptures, the one who died and was buried and was risen and rose again and just laying it out really clearly that that's the Jesus we're talking about. So there's no room to say, well, Jesus, but not the one that does miracles, but he was just a good man. No, Paul's making it clear who the center of worship is here. The long-awaited Messiah that was born a virgin, Amen. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. Right in that first verse, I'd like to point out that there are doctrines that say that there are multiple salvations. And I believe that that is a wicked doctrine to teach. There is only one salvation. There's only one gospel. It's the gospel of God. It didn't say, Paul didn't say, um, um, uh, refer to this as the second gospel or the third gospel or, or, or one of the gospels. He just said the gospel of God. It, to the Bible students in here, which is everybody, by the way, what is the gospel? Just You don't have to say it out loud, but what is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That, that's the gospel message throughout the entire scriptures. The entire scriptures. That's the gospel message. It never changed it never changed. Amen. I want to stay there, but I need to move on. Amen. Verse 2. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament. So he's talking about the gospel of God that was promised from the Old Testament. Amen. Verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, really clear, 
which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, very specific, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ. And he says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean, verse 6, when it says that we are the called? I, I, I love it because so often the Bible just explains itself and we don't have to work hard. You know, the, 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 there's some things in Scripture that you, like it takes study and you've got to seek it out and God wants us to do that on purpose. I, I just had a, somebody at work just a few weeks ago say that um, you know, we, we can just never understand the deep things of God, especially in Revelation. He was like, they, he's talking about uh, candlesticks and stars, and we can't know what those things are. I said, actually, we can, because in the next few verses, he literally describes what the candlesticks and the stars are. It's, it's, some things are just really self-evident if we just keep reading it, if we look for the answer. I didn't tell him that the second half of Daniel and the second half of Revelation is really where it's at, because you know what he would do? He would go right there and get confused. That's just the natural man, amen. Um, but the answer is in verse 7. We are called to be saints. That means that there is a responsibility placed on our shoulders the day we became new creatures in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The day that Rachel told me that she was pregnant, I had a mind change. I mean, it was like the moment she told me, it was like my theology and life changes. Like, oh, you know, I was always the high guy at work. All of a sudden, when I'm walking the walls, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, I can't fall because... No, I can't. I got to, got to make money. Because it used to be like, yeah, whatever, we got two jobs. Yeah, I've been in the hospital for a couple of weeks. No big deal. That all changed. And so when we get saved, so much the more, right? Amen. But we have a responsibility now as saints. We're the called to be saints. What, what all encompasses that? To study God's word, pray without ceasing, be a witness, to get the gospel message to a lost world, to come to church to encourage and to be encouraged. Amen? To be hearers and not doers only? To be doers and not hearers only? <laughs> the, the, the problem with your wife being the media person is she's probably saving that clip right now. And in a few years, she's going to have some funny stuff. Amen? <laughs> what I'm getting to is I'm not a fan of the term called to the ministry. If you are saved and born again, you are the called to the ministry. You are called to be saints. That's a cop-out, in my opinion, that, that Christians do. They say, well, I'm not called to do this. I'm not called to do As if you have to have a Pauline experience with an angel of God coming to you in the road for you to change your life. That's just not the case. We are called to be saints. And that encompasses a whole lot of things. We are called to ministry. Is all our ministries the same? No. But we're called to ministry. 
So the first seven verses are Paul's salutation and his greeting. In verse 8, Paul begins to describe the passion of his heart and the longing that he has to fellowship with his fellow saints in Christ. Can I tell you, when we weren't here on Sunday, we missed y'all. We did. Even Brother Shine. It's not the same. It's not the same. Verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his, of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me." What is Paul talking about imparting a spiritual gift? We, we don't have the gift of healing today or the gift of tongues or prophecy. What, what's he talking about? We don't have those gifts today, but God gave his people those gifts on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Amen. Um, we know at Pentecost and Acts, the Spirit came down with a mighty rushing wind, and God did a miraculous thing, giving uh, His people uh, uh, spiritual gifts. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Paul lays out these spiritual gifts that were given. I'm just going to touch on this for a moment. We hit this hard six months ago, but we'll... I'll just touch on this a little bit. We're going through Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. He's talking about spiritual gifts here. <clears throat> and there are difference, uh, differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation, manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. You can't have one without the other. That's a whole other message. But all these worketh that, that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Which means not everybody has the same gift. Which means not everybody needs to be speaking in tongues. It's not a sign of your salvation. Amen. But the fact is that we still have spiritual gifts today. We just don't recognize them as such for some reason. We think of spiritual gifts. When that come, comes up, we think of the, um, um, the, 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 I don't know if hyper is the right word, but the hyper holy roller Pentecostal movement, right? That's what comes to mind when we think of spiritual gifts. Because number one, we think of speaking in tongues, prophecy, right? That's, that's right. Maybe the gift of healing, you know, the Benny Hinn stuff, people all getting healed. Um, But those gifts, those gifts that we think of immediately, those extreme ones, tongues, healing, those died out a long time ago. And um, 
they died out with, when the canon of Scripture was completed. God had no more need to do all those miracles and whatnot. And I, th- I mean, I mean I- I'm so thankful. I think the, personally that we have more grace and we are more blessed to have the entire Word of God. But don't think that just because somebody didn't have the Word of God for those 400 years or it wasn't as readily available or they had, didn't have the New Testament or whatever, that God wasn't working and doing miracles. God was working all along the way. And, 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 and yet we think, man, it would be awesome to be part of the children of Israel to see what God was doing. You know, they were miserable like their whole lives, uh, particularly the Red Sea crossing and the whole 400 years in Egypt. Yeah, they, got, they saw God do so many great things. But when you're seeing all these miracles, they didn't have the word of God in front of them. God was, that, that was, like, that was like it for them. That, that was it. This is what we have. I think it's better. I mean, I'd love to see God part the Lake Michigan. That'd be awesome. But I'm thankful that we have this. We can study it. We can draw an eye to it uh, all the time, especially the day and age we live. We can have a copy of it personally. Uh, the average American has three in their home. Amen. The average person has three in their home. Amen. Where was I going? Um, some, some people will say that um, the gift of tongues ended with when the, with, the, with the disciples, the original disciples. And you could say that. I mean, it's true because it's basically the same thing as saying with the clo- closing of the canon of Scripture. It's the same few years, amen, the, the, the disciples that, that wrote the Word of God. But Paul even called out those gifts that would fail. Jump over to 1 Corinthians 13, 8. It says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. I don't know how you get around that. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. I hit it specifically in a message one time, and I'm trying to not go there because I'm really tempted to now. But if you don't, here's the thing. Here, let me just say this. If somebody believes that there's still gifts of the Spirit, the full gifts of the, what's it called, Brother John? There's a term for that, the full gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I should know that right now. Um, it's going to bug me. Um, but there's a term for that where you believe all the gifts of the Spirit, like they're speaking in tongues and all, all that that the extreme Pentecostals will do. Um, to believe that's still happening today, you have to believe that that which is perfect hasn't come. Which, and, and they will interpret that as, well, the rapture hasn't taken place. Because Jesus is perfect. Amen. But, but here's the thing. That would really entice you to believe that we don't have a perfect word of God either. This is either perfect or it's not. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the perfect Word of God. When that which is perfect shall come, all of a sudden tongues shall cease. And you want to look down through history of some statistics? All of a sudden, the closing of the canon, all of a sudden, there wasn't all these tongues revivals and all this. Stuff. There's been speaking, uh, uh, I did a, when we did a study on, on tongues and spiritual gifts, oh, maybe it was a year ago now, um, 
there was some revivals down south that broke out and they claimed tongues and prophecy. Um, very isolated and um, very questionable. Um, but by and large, these gifts ceased with the closing of Scripture. Amen. Um, spiritual gifts were given on the day of Pentecost, and as people got saved, they were also given spiritual gifts. We still receive spiritual gifts today, but we don't look for them. We don't acknowledge them for some reason. And we think that God can't give them to us. It drives me crazy when somebody says, oh, I can't do that. God didn't call me to do that. Look, I don't have to. Just because I never mopped before doesn't mean I can't step in and say, I'm going to mop. But people have that mindset as, oh, I never did that, so I can't do it. It's the same mindset as, uh, um, 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 I'll hire people to come help me on side jobs, which hopefully we're not doing much of that anymore, amen. Um, but they'll say, oh, I never did that, as if they can't do it. Or the husband that goes home and's like, oh, I'm a carpenter, so I can't do plumbing. No, you, you you get it, you're in this marriage, you're in this house, like, figure it out, at least try. Amen. That's a bad example coming from a carpenter that puts holes in the, that's maybe not the best, best example I could have used at that moment. <laughs> Amen. Let me, we'll close this message. <laughs> Amen. So when Paul says in our text that he hopes to impart some spiritual gift, I believe that he's saying that he looks forward to sharing his gifts of the Spirit that God gave him, not to hand them out like candy. Look at verse 11. He says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you the same spiritual gift to, to the end ye may be established. And I used to have the mindset of, well, impart means to give. First of all, I'm wrong in that. But I used to have the mindset to impart some spiritual gift thinking that, He's wanting to get people saved, as in get, you get saved because in this time, people are, these are spiritual gifts that God's imparting. Amen. But our dictionary says, Webster's 1828 says, the definition of a part is to give, grant, or communicate, to bestow on another or share or portion of something as to impart a portion of provisions to the poor, to grant, to give, to confer, as to impart honor or favor, to communicate the knowledge of something, to make known, to show by words or tokens. I can't wait to um, impart my love to Rachel when we go out to dinner, show her how much I love her. Doesn't mean necessarily to just give, but to share and partake with. So there's still today there's still spiritual gifts of wisdom, teaching, faith, discernment. We we can look and we can study them out. Uh, the scripture never said that they would cease. We should desire. We should pray for these. Amen. Uh, I it, it it boggles my mind, but I get it because it's an easy excuse, and and I've probably done it myself throughout the years in times past where I would say, I can't do that because God didn't call me to that. You, so you, you serve a God that has the power to save you for eternity from a burning hell and to give you, to turn you into a new creature, to give you everlasting life. But that same God doesn't have the power to give you a gift or to mature you in a gift or to show you how to paint or to show you how to um, be a bus captain <laughs> you know like oh I, I wasn't called to do that 
God, God's not big enough to, no, that's insanity. We are called to the ministry. So what are we supposed to do? Man, we're just, whatever we can do to help, we're going to help. And I believe that spiritual gifts will come and God will grow us in spiritual gifts. I believe that with all of my heart. With all of my heart. Amen. I believe that I've experienced it and I believe that I've seen it. Amen. Let's close. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the power of it, Lord. Help, help me to grow as a pastor.